want you to take a minute and give some thought to, or maybe write down, what your favorite Christmas song is. Not necessarily a hymn or a carol, but but think about all the Christmas songs we, we hear this time of the year. Write down or just give a thought to what is your favorite Christmas song or maybe what you think the most popular Christmas song might be. You got something in mind? I intended for these to pop in one at a time, but I'm going to give you the top five list all at once. According to a number of sites that I saw, these are the top five most popular Christmas songs. White Christmas by Bing Crosby, Last Christmas by Wham, The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole, Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love, and All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Did you get any of those? Any of those show up on your list? Some of you probably never even heard of some of these people. I was looking at the slide before worship this morning in our tech booth, and Marissa Wren in our tech booth shared with me that the, the, the school um, classes were in here on Friday, and, and she thinks it was the kindergarten class, and Pauline, our music teacher, Pauline, are you here? No? Pauline, our music teacher, apparently asked the class, um, what are your favorite Christmas songs? Let's sing some of those. And one student raised his hand and said, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> A kindergartner. <laughs> baby, it's cold outside. That is a rockin' house if you are singing that at home. We know that's where he learned that. You know, whatever favorite song you might have this time of the year, we all know that it's the Christmas songs, it's the sounds of Christmas that oftentimes make this time of the year feel like Christmas. And I say that because in our gospel readings today from Luke, two separate readings, we, we basically have two songs, Mary's song, often referred to as the Magnificat, and Zechariah's songs. Maybe they didn't make your top five list, but these certainly are also two songs of Christmas. As we look at these songs, and especially what led up to Mary and Zechariah singing these songs, I think both of them have a number of things in common, and let's walk through those this morning. Here's the first one. Announcement. For both Mary and Zechariah, it all started with an angel's announcement. First, the angel came to Zechariah and announced that he and Elizabeth would soon have a son. It happened one day while Zechariah was in the temple serving as a priest. 
For Mary, the setting was very different, but she also unexpectedly got a visit from an angel who announced to her that she soon would be with child. For Mary and Zachariah, it both happened, it started with an angel's announcement. And so not surprisingly for both of them, that led to asking a number of different questions. Zachariah's question was prompted by the fact that he and Elizabeth were at a point in their life that they were well beyond the the typical years of bearing a child. Zachariah said, how can this be? I am an old man and my wife is well beyond years. It's probably a tasteful way of saying she's an old lady. Seems like a completely reasonable question to ask, don't you think? To the Virgin Mary, the angel said, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And I don't think any one of us here would question the fact or challenge the fact that Mary asked back to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You see, Zechariah and Mary did what any one of us would have done in that situation. They, They asked some questions. What did you say? How's this going to happen? You're kidding, right? And so maybe because of how bizarre the news was to, to both of them, there may have been a little bit more than a little anxiety that they felt when they heard this news. For Zechariah, the gospel writer Luke tells us that because he asked the question, how can I be sure of this, he was rendered unable to speak for that nine-month period of time. Now here this miraculous event is happening to Zechariah and to his wife, and they literally can't talk about it for nine months. In fact, we're told that when Elizabeth learns that she becomes pregnant, she goes off into seclusion for five months, probably because she realized that if she told anybody at that point in her life that she was pregnant, they they wouldn't believe her. I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a little more than a little anxiety that both of them felt upon hearing this news. And I think the same would have been for Mary. Mary was in her mid to late teens when the angel came to her and said that she was going to be with a child. She lived in the small backwater town of Nazareth. She grew up in a poor, average, working class family there. Any hopes of Mary marrying would have been arranged already by her parents. In fact, we know that's exactly what happened. She was already betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph, which means that for all practical purposes, they were legally married. They just weren't living together yet as husband and wife. So how's all this going to look? All of a sudden, she's pregnant. Wasn't Joseph's child. And she hadn't been unfaithful to to, to him. How do you explain an immaculate conception? How do you expect people to to wrap their minds around a virgin birth? What does Mary tell her family? 
Imagine the, the impact of the gossip in the town about what happened to her. What will Joseph think? It's not hard for us to think that for Mary and for Zachariah in their respective individual situations, there must have been a lot of anxiety going on for both of them. And yet, notice how they respond to the angel's announcement with acceptance. After Zechariah's discussion with the angel, he finished his service in the temple, and Luke tells us he went home. He didn't storm out of the temple in disbelief. He didn't live in, in denial for nine months. In fact, when his son was born, he accepted the fact that he was told to give his son the name John rather than giving him his name, which would have been typical tradition. And Mary? Same kind of response. Upon hearing the angel say to Mary, nothing is impossible with God, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She didn't argue with the angel. She didn't beg for this to happen to somebody else, anybody but her. She didn't walk away in disbelief. Instead, her response was one of acceptance. And so as we now turn to the songs that were sung by both Mary and Zechariah, basically what they sung in response to all of this were words of adoration. Adoration for what God was doing in the lives of his people. Mary sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You probably know that the word magnify is where we get the word magnificat, which is a Latin word for magnify. And to magnify something is to make it to make it bigger, to make it greater, to make it larger. And so what Mary is doing with this song is she is magnifying her adoration to God for what he is doing in her life. And much the same is true for Zechariah. His song begins with words of adoration. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. For both of them, they are singing words of of adoration, and in these words of adoration, I think there's two things that we can specifically notice here. One is what I'm referring to as verb tense. And what I mean by that is I want you to notice that they don't sing about what God might do. They don't sing about what God could do. They don't sing about what God will do, but instead they sing about what God is doing or has done. He has performed mighty deeds. He has come and redeemed his people. This is what God is actively doing in their life, in our life. And so I think the other thing worth noting there is already kind of mentioned is, is who is the one who's actually doing this? I remember a seminary professor of mine years ago. He would say to us as we were reading, especially in the New Testament, always notice who is doing the verbs. In other words, recognize who is performing the action. 
And what you see here in these songs, verse by verse, is God is the one doing it. And while it might be important for us to recognize that Mary is the one selected to give birth to the Savior of the world, it was Mary's womb that God used to bring Jesus into the world. It wasn't Mary doing it. It was God doing it. It's all about what God is doing. His mercy extends to all. He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the rulers. That's what Mary is singing about. And much the same for Zechariah. Zechariah says he has raised up a horn of salvation. He has shown mercy to others. He remembers his covenant. He redeems his enemies. It's all about what God is doing And because of what God is doing, that is why they sing a song of adoration. I think when we look at this whole story of what is taking place here, we kind of see a progression of what is is happening. There's an announcement. They ask some questions. There's a reaction of anxiety. Finally, there's a reaction of acceptance. They speak words, sing words of adoration. And I'm going to push my alliteration just one more word. Application. And what I mean by that is, when you look at this story, what is the application for your life and mine? And again, two things here. One is that what we see Mary and Zachariah doing is very similar to what you and I might experience in our life. Now, I realize that the circumstances are very, very different from what Mary and Zechariah experienced. But the point is that things happen in our life that can be completely unexpected. Things can happen in our life that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Things can happen in our life whereby we can't help but but ask some questions because we don't understand why this is happening and it seems to be everything impossible. How can this be, we sometimes say? We ask questions of God and when things like that happen, it can't help but give to us a certain sense of anxiety. But you know, even though those things happen in our life at times, you have a relationship with God whereby you can talk to Him, whereby you can ask those questions, whereby you can wrestle with Him a little bit, and sometimes even throw up your hands out of frustration because you don't understand what's going on. Just like with Mary and Zechariah, for you and for me, that's all a part of having a relationship with God. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you believe that Jesus Christ came here for you, then that can bring you to a point of acceptance of God working in your life, trusting that He can do what He desires to do that is best for you because you belong to Him. Which brings me to the last point. And that is, all of this was for you. 
the whole story was all for you. Why was there an immaculate conception? Why was there a virgin birth? Why was a Savior born? Why did John the Baptist come into this world to, to call people, including us, to repentance? Why does Mary sing, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation? Why did Zachariah sing, Praise be to the Lord, because He has come to redeem His people? Why did any of this happen? Why was Jesus even born in the first place? Why did the Christ child grow up to later pay the price for your sins and mine on a cross with his death? Why did Jesus return back from the dead and declare to every one of us new life and victory over the power of sin and death? Why? Because of you. The whole thing happened for you. Because of God's love for you. Because His desire to give forgiveness of sins to you. Because at the end of it all, God wants to see you in heaven with Him forever. It all happened for you. If you want to find any application in your life as to why this whole Christmas story happened in the first place, well, here it is. Because of God's love for you. It happened for you. And when you think about that, whether Mary's song or Zachariah's song makes the top five list of most popular songs or not, it is something worth singing about, isn't it? And so I would ask you on this week before Christmas, what song are you singing in your life? May it be one of praise for the God who brought a Savior here for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Baby, it is cold outside. <laughs> that is priceless. Um, Marissa, if you could go to, yes, thank you. It is, uh, I, is it amazing to you that it's almost the end of December and 1st of January? I, I think I am back in September. I am just, the last several months have run over me like a train uh, but we're only a week or so, two weeks away from the beginning of the new year, and so our staff has done a little discussion and some planning, and I just want to give you a, a little bit of heads up. There's something about this in your parish notes, but, but Pastor Sean and I want to extend the invitation to us together as a congregation to go through an exercise in 2023 of reading through the New Testament. Now, we know that there are times when people say, you know what, it's the beginning of a new year. I'm going to read through the Bible. And uh, many times people do that, and from cover to cover, you get the way through, all the way through that. But we also know that there's times when people attempt to do that, and you get in Leviticus, and you think, I am never going to get out of here. And you just close it up. 
Or you get into first or second kings and think, I can't even pronounce half of these. What's the use? And so sometimes that stops the progression. Well, let's, let's back the bus up a little bit and let's do the New Testament. I would like to invite you to join us in reading through the New Testament together as a congregation in 2023. And what this literally will mean, get ready, what this literally means is one chapter a day, five days a week. You got two days off. One chapter a day, five days a week. Each week, we will give you a handout that will be in your parish notes. It'll give you a little um, introduction to what you're reading. It'll give you a, 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 some outline uh, that you can carry through from the message. The preaching will be in one of those five chapters that you will be reading in the coming week. And so it'll help connect in your own personal devotional time and in our worship time together. So I know you will eagerly go out and say, I'm going to start right now. You're going to be off. You can. I'm not stopping you from reading God's Word. This will actually get launched on the weekend of January 7th and 8th. So let people get back from the New Year's holiday, and we'll start doing that. There'll be more information about that. But can we do this together? We can read through the New Testament together, one chapter a day, five days a week, and let's the, let the conversation of God's Word extend into the week beyond just what we're doing on Sunday morning. Sound all right? Say amen. amen. I got gotcha. you. All right. Let's stand and confess our Christian faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father of